open-handed giving. You know, that's, that's kind of a different thought for us, isn't it? Because when we give, we kind of hold on to it until they finally snatch it out of our fingers, don't they? We hold on to it as long as we can. But open-handed giving means that you give, give to others with your hand open. I'll give you an example of this. When I was, when I was a little fella, my dad took me back to the town that he grew up in, Lowmore, Virginia. Now, in Lowmore, there was one fella who the town kind of took care of. Bill was, was different. Bill had the mentality of a, of a child. And everybody gave him what he needed. They would give him a job for a day or two because that's all he could handle. But they would also give to him, if he came up to somebody and said he had a need, they would take care of his need. Well, my dad had been gone for 10 years, and here we're walking down the sidewalk in Lowmore, and Bill comes up to my dad, and he says, Charlie, I haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. He said, can I have money for coffee? And my dad reaches into his pocket, and he pulls out this big handful of change. My dad always carried a lot of change around. And Bill looked at that handful of change, and he took it, and he scooped it all into his, and he turned and said, God bless you, and went off in a, as fast as he could. Now, my dad didn't expect to have open-handed giving that day. But he did give everything that was in his hand to that man. So, that's a good definition of open-handed giving. Now, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. Aaron pointed us to this scripture last week. And this will kind of be the theme or the, the scripture that we'll look to each, each week as we go through this uh, series. 2 Corinthians 9-11. Wow, I just noticed that, 9-11, on 9-11. Isn't that something? <laughs> And if you haven't underlined this or marked it yet, you might want to do that. All right, let's begin. You will be enriched in every way to be generous, generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. You will be enriched, not rich, enriched. You know, the word enrich is a little different than rich, isn't it? It means like adding to, making better. Giving something in, you know, I kind of think of it as a recipe. You add a little bit more sugar and it tastes good. Or, you know, you add a little bit more butter and it tastes even better, right? You enrich it. But generous in every way. Generous in every way is imaginable. You know, think about it. If I could be generous in every way, what would that, what would that even look like? What if you could give all that you have, everything, your time, your resources, your possessions? What if you could give every earthly thing away and still have more than what you had before? What if you could give yourself away? You see, that, was, that would be when it's real. It's real when we give ourselves away, isn't it? Because that's what Jesus calls us to do. You know, Jesus says, if anyone could, would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Giving yourself. You know, we find that, this statement, we find it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. 
it was so impactful that both, all three of those authors write it. But now, what are we going to do today? Well, let's do a review of last week real quick. You know, Aaron started a series, and he indicated that we were going to be using several books. And I, this is the one, financial, the ABCs of Financial Freedom. If you don't want to listen to my sermon today, you can just read this book, and you'll find most of it in here. But just to let you know, we have used these books as guides to what we want to tell you because, to be honest with you, me and Aaron talked. We don't know enough about giving generosity on our own to come up with a series. We had to go look for, for good material somewhere. So, let us begin with a review of last week. So, the first thing is, that Aaron told us that we are managers. That we are managers. We're not owners, but managers of God's possessions. And he said that there are three lies. He said there are three lies that we buy into. Lie number one, the church is only interested in my money. Now, haven't you've heard that before. Number two, more money and things can satisfy me. We believe that, don't we? And then number three, it's my money. My money. I'm going to hold on to it. I can do whatever I want to with it. It's mine. But when we look into God's word, we see that we see something very important. You see, when we talk about lies, we have to know where lies originate from. Where do all lies originate from? From Satan, don't they? You know, if we look at John chapter 8, verse 44... Jesus, this is Jesus speaking, you are, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. You know, Satan wants you to believe those lies. He wants you to believe those three lies because those three lies are important to him. Because that is part of what Satan wants you to believe in so that you'll be held in bondage. Now, we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. Right now, I want to, talk to let you know what I'm going to talk about today. And today, I'm going to be talking about the bondage of debt. And we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about it. You see, there's a definition that we need to look at. We need to look at the definition of bondage, which is servitude or subjection, subjugation, subjugation, I'll get it right in a minute, to a controlling person or force. Now, what is servitude? That's us being servants, isn't it? Subjugation is us being ruled by someone else. And then that person is controlling us or over us. Now, debt is a state of owing. Not owning, but owing. Debt is having to pay for something that you've already acquired or something that you've already used or something that you already have. Now, today we're going to look into God's Word to gain knowledge and insight about debt and bondage and the hold that it has on us. Now, our first passage is, in, is from Deuteronomy. 
Now, I'm going to tell you, I love me some Deuteronomy. Arthur will tell you. He likes Isaiah. I know Arthur well enough to know that if, I, if, if we're going to talk Bible, he's going to Isaiah, but eventually I'm going to get in Deuteronomy. But now Deuteronomy, it's interesting. We need to know a little bit about it before we start looking at the passages there because we want to apply these passages properly. And one of the things we need to realize is that Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law or the second reading of the law. In other words, what happens is Moses comes to a certain point and all of the first generation has died except for one, two, three, three people. And now he has to give the law back again to the ones that are now alive, their children. You see, Moses didn't leave it to them to learn it from their parents. He gave the law to them a second time in Deuteronomy. So first we see that when we look at this passage... We see a few key things. And let's read it. The Lord will open to you, Deuteronomy 28, 12. I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 28, 12. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. You see, for us to apply this passage properly, we have to see that God's economy is not money. God's economy is rain. God's economy is the blessing of the work of his people. You see, this passage is also not saying that it's wrong to borrow to go into debt. God doesn't say that. What God is saying is that if you follow my laws, because that's what, that's what Moses had read. He had read the law. And then he says, this is what's going to happen. And this is in that chapter 28 part of what's going to happen. There's going to be blessings for you if you follow my law. So what he says is, he's saying that I am going to bless you so much. I am going to provide for you so much that you will not have to borrow. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you so much that you can actually be a lender, a person that gives to others. Actually, he's speaking to the nation of Israel, and he's saying that they're going to lend to many nations. Now, that's a powerful statement, isn't it? But you know one thing that I, I can tell you? God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He doesn't change. So that right there that he says, also we can hold true today. We can hold that for us as a truth today. So, before we get into, there's, there's some things that we want to look at in the Bible that, about debt. But first, I want to share with you my first debt experience. You see, my first debt experience, it, it happened, wait, I've got it, I've got it here. I've got the paper that I signed for that, the, not the car on the left, but the car on the right. See, that was my dream, the car on the left. I thought, you know, I can afford that. You see, I was 20 years old, and I wanted a car. I had been driving the hand-me-down. And I, I had had a 1969 Ford Falcon. I had a 1972 Buick Skylark. Well, I wanted me one of those little fancy Escorts. 
because they were sporty. And that guy in that picture, you can't see it from where you're sitting. He's smiling as he's driving that car. That's what I wanted. I wanted to be able to smile as I drive. But what happened was I got down to the car dealership, and the guy told me, he said, man, you can't afford that car. You just got a part-time job. You got to go get a co-signer, and then you got to come back, and then we got to get you in something that you can afford. Now, the car on the right is not really the car that I got, but it's pretty close to it. <laughs> it was the same color, and it, yeah, it's pretty close. But when I signed, when I signed this piece of paper, this was, this was my first debt purchase. My first debt purchase. In F&M Bank, I don't even know if they're still in business today. But on, nine, on 9 16 Crystal said she was... 12 years old that day. <laughs> she was 12 years old. <laughs> I was 20. <laughs> so, so on that day, I signed, I signed this piece of paper. I borrowed $4,622.74, and I said I would pay back $6,059.52. Was that a good deal, Arthur? Ah, I don't know. Not back in that day. <laughs> But now I just want to share with you. Let me tell you something. I'm up here talking about debt. I'm going to tell you what's in God's word. My own experience with debt has not been good. Matter of fact, if Arthur hadn't helped me a few times and give me some good sound advice, I don't know where I would be today. But that's my story. But now let's look into God's word and let's see what we can find. Because in God's word, there are six biblical principles about debt. There are actually more, but I'm going to narrow it down today to six because I know y'all want to get out of here. Let's see what God's Word says about debt, and let's look at these six principles. The first one is going into debt makes you a servant to someone other than God. It makes you a servant to someone other than God. Proverbs 22, Proverbs 22, 7. And let me tell you something. If you ever want to know what God's heart is about a subject, Read the book of Proverbs, have a piece of paper beside it, and write down everything in Proverbs about your topic. Because just about every topic that you would have a question about or concern about or a need about is covered in Proverbs. And if you read all, if you just take those out, just read the whole thing, Proverbs, read the whole thing, and then just take those passages out, you get a powerful message. And we're going to do that today, part of it. Proverbs 22, 7, the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. That's principle number one. Principle number two, the Bible warns it's better not to go into debt. It doesn't say don't go into debt. It's better not to go into debt. One who lacks sense, which was me back in 1982, gives a pledge and puts up security in the presence of his neighbor. In other words, you, can, you complete a legal transaction where you are actually borrowing. Okay, principle number three. Principle number three is the longest term of debt of God's, that God's people took on in the Bible was seven years. Now, can you imagine? We were, me and Crystal were talking about this last night. Can you imagine if all of your debt was forgiven? in seven years, what your life would be like? I mean, that's powerful. 
God knew that the limit that anybody should incur debt was seven years. So he wrote it into his law. And this is in Deuteronomy. That's why I love me some Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 15, 1 and 2. At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release. Freedom. You're released. And this is the manner of the release. Every creditor shall release what he has lent to his neighbor. He shall not exact it of his, uh, it of his neighbor, his brother, because the Lord's release has been proclaimed. Now, we were talking about this last night, me and Crystal. In the economy of, of Israel, it really wasn't an economy of money. It was an economy, you know, if you needed grain to plant, you would go to your neighbor and say, can I borrow a bushel of grain? And he, said, he would say, okay, here's a bushel, give it back to me. Now, if he was a good, a good Israelite, he would not charge you interest. If he was a bad Israelite, he would say, okay, give me back a bushel and a half. But see, that was God's economy. If you, if you needed wine, you went to, to your neighbor and you said, can I borrow some wine? He would say, here, here's a gallon of wine. And you agree to pay it back. Things like that was the economy of, of the Israelites. Now, what God says is, at the end of seven years, that's all wiped clean. It's all clean. Can you imagine, can you think about if all your debt was clean every seven years? Man, that would be powerful. It really would be. How long have we been in this building, Arthur? Almost seven years? Oh, over seven years. See, our debt would have been forgiven. So let's continue on. Number four, when you're in debt, you are not in control of your own future. When you are in debt, you are not in control of your own future. James 4, 13 and 15. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. We don't, do we? You know, just to use an example, 15 years ago, we didn't know what was going to happen on this date, did we? We had no idea. None at all. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But you see, debt doesn't allow us to say if the Lord wills sometimes, does it? When we're in debt, when we're in debt, we're a servant to somebody else. And lots of times, that servitude decides the decisions that we will make. So number five. When you go into debt, you're asking someone other than God to meet your needs. Someone other than God to meet your needs. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and the glory in Christ Jesus. Now remember, God's economy is not money. He can't bless you with money. He can bless you in other ways that are kind of, you know, roundabout money. You know, you can take your car to get it inspected, and the 20,000-mile tires are now 35,000 miles, and they still have enough tread to pass. That's a blessing, isn't it? You know, tires that last longer, vehicles that don't break down, you know, things like that. God, God blesses us in a lot of ways. But when you go into debt, you're asking someone else to provide for you. 
you're asking, I was asking F&M Bank to provide for me and not God. So now, number six. The sixth principle, and the last, when you go into debt and mortgage your future, you affect your whole family. When you go into debt and mortgage your future, you affect your whole family. Proverbs eleven twenty eight through 29 says, Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Whoever troubles his own household will inherit the wind, and the fool will be a servant to the wise of heart. You know, the decisions that you make affect your children, don't they? The decisions that you make, the decisions that I've made in my life have affected my children. They do. Sometimes it's been good, sometimes it's been bad. But this is one thing that we need to remember. Now, if I had had my notepad sitting here beside me and I had written down everything that I want, that I got out of these scriptures, this is what I get. When you are in debt, when you are in debt, you are no longer God's manager. You are now someone's servant. The Bible wants us to stay away from this situation. God knows the reality of debt and released all debt after seven years. I think that's a powerful statement there. I think when, when you think about the stress that it puts on individuals and marriages, long-term debt adds to that in, a, in, a, in an amazing way. It's, it's just, it's, you know, long-term debt is, is something that can destroy a marriage. When you are in debt, you do not have control. When you are in debt, someone other than God is meeting your needs. When you are in debt, you give up you, your and your family's future. Those are all powerful statements. And when you combine them into one paragraph, you really have to think about what you're doing, don't you? So, Debt is bondage. Let's go back to the statement about Satan and his lies. You see, when we are in debt to the things of this world, we are no longer focused on God. Remember, Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. To kill, steal, and destroy. What better way to do that than to focus you constantly on things of this world? Think about when your paycheck comes. Mine comes online. I get a notice, and it, it, it tells me to go in and look at my paycheck. And I go in and check and make sure it's there. It's automatically deposited. I don't see it in my hand anymore. I don't take it to the bank. But now, what is the first thing you do when you get your paycheck? I know lots of times the first thing I do when I get my paycheck is, okay, I've got to cover this bill, this bill, this bill, this bill, and most of them are credit bills. You know, the mortgage, the car payment. Well, actually, I don't cover the car payment anymore. The mortgage, the you know, credit card payments and things like that. I sit there and I think, okay, I've got this is coming out, this is coming out. You know, my first thought should be, okay, what am I going to give? What is the first part that I'm going to give back to God? Because as a manager, as a manager, I should be thinking about what I'm giving. 
As a servant, I'm thinking about what I have to give to the person I serve. See how that changes? We go from being managers to servants. We're not thinking about the good things that we can do. We're not thinking about being managers of God's things. We're thinking about being servants to somebody else. That's what bondage does. That's what debt bondage does. It takes us from thinking of being managers to being servants. You see, when the paycheck comes, we look at it and we begin to think about these things that we have to pay. Mortgage, car loans, student loans, credit cards. I mean, how many, how many of us think about generosity? How many of us would sit there, go to the bank, cash our check, have the money in our hands and say, God, do something with this? And I'll admit, I, I've never done that. But wouldn't it be powerful if we could? Wouldn't it be powerful if we weren't in debt, if we weren't servants to the things of this world? You know, I have to ask myself, what if? What if, if, what if I was not in so much debt? What could I do? What would I do with those things that God gives me? What would I do with those possessions that he gives me? You know, I want to read a letter. I want to read a letter from a couple in our church that is financially debt-free. And I'm going to tell you, we're not supposed to be envious, but I, I was a little envious when I read this. And actually, I read it about three times. So let me read it to you. This is, this is someone in our church that has, has written a testimony, a letter, what it means to them to be financially debt-free. Any debt owed by another makes us makes any debt owed to another makes a slave of the debtor. Proverbs. Life is spent on the enrichment of the creditor, especially when interest payments are involved. Debt is like chains that can keep us down, hold us back from an accomplished life. This is actually a better sermon than mine. Ever-increasing debt can be an addiction. That's true. Which ruins our lives by always demanding our affections, leaving no room for anything or anyone else. All the stuff that our debt has provided then demands our attention in order to keep the stuff maintained and useful. To be debt-free is real freedom. It is freedom to live an abundant life in honor to God. It is freedom to give to Christ's church, to those in need, to missionary causes and things like that. Being debt-free gives us the opportunity to love one another in tangible ways, in more than just words. Being debt-free allows us to take care of our needs before they grow into catastrophes. It even allows us to enjoy some of our life's wants. Paul wrote to the, to the Romans, saying, Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, and do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, this is a mind change. Generosity is a mind change. He then gives a lengthy list of what that looks like for the Christian. Part of that list includes Romans 13, 7 through 8. Give everyone what you owe him. 
If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law of God. So you may say that we are never really fully debt free. And that is true. We still must pay our taxes and pay revenue for all the things we purchase and respect and honor, and above all, to love one another. Being financially debt-free gives us the opportunity to do all those things and thus fulfill God's law. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? Powerful statement from somebody who is debt-free. You know, I like, like I said earlier, God's economy is not just money. So I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about God's economy where he blesses us in in multiple ways. When we follow God's laws and words, we are going to be enriched. That doesn't mean rich. That means a little something extra is going to be added to the mix. Our lives are changed. God blesses people with talents, gifts, knowledge, and ability. You see, if you are here today and you're in debt, that's me, and it has a hold on you, then I'm telling you something. You need to be here this evening. Because at 5.30, we're going to have a class on financial freedom, and it's not going to be me teaching it. So don't worry about that. But I will tell you this. Arthur, who knows a great deal about finances, who has helped a lot of people over the years, I don't think he can even count how many people he has helped, has agreed to do this class. But now, I'm going to tell you something. God has given him a talent and a gift. He has a talent and a gift to handle financial things, to to counsel people and things like that. And he's going to use that this evening. He's not going to pay, he's not going to go somewhere and have people pay for it. He's actually going to give it to us, the church body, right? You're not charging us. Okay, good. I didn't think about it. I didn't ask him that first. So it's free. The class is free tonight from a man that should be charging us for it. And let me tell you something. If you're a married couple and you fight over money and finances or have disagreements, let's say disagreements, over money and finances. Come to this class because let me tell you something, as a counselor that counsels people, couples in trouble, I can't help you with the financial piece of it. I can't help you do a budget. I tell you that's one of the steps that you need to do. But now listening to Arthur, he can, he can help you with that. He can tell you, and Arthur said to bring your electronic devices because he's going to help you download an app that will help you. But I'm, I'm being very serious. If, if, if your marriage is in turmoil or one of the, the points of your marriage that is in turmoil is finances, forget what you've got planned this evening. Cancel it. Come here at 5.30, and it's for four, four Sundays. For the next four Sundays, let Arthur use the talents and the gifts that God has given him to 
be able to give back to us. Now, if you're not a, if, if you're not a Christian and you're here, come on anyway. We don't, you know, if you're not a member of our church, come on anyway. Anybody that's here, come if you want to learn more about finances. But let me tell you something. If you're not a Christian, God doesn't want your money, okay? I don't care about what preachers, what you've heard in the past. I don't care what they've said and things like that. God does not want your money. God doesn't need your money. God needs you first. God needs you. Why does he need you? Because he sent his son to die on this earth for you. He wants to live eternally with you. The most important thing in God's economy is you. He gave his son for you. That's never going to change. You are the most important thing to God. And the fact that you accept him as your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, the fact that you're baptized and your sins are forgiven is more important to him than anything that you could ever give. But believe me, after you do that, you're going to want to give because God's going to change you. He's going to change you from the inside out. So right now, we're going to have a time of response. Uh, is anybody from the, I know Arthur and Charlotte are here. Come on up. Anybody that's on the prayer team, come on up to the front. And they'll be over here. I'll kind of be over this way. If you want to talk about Jesus Christ, if you want to talk about anything, but look, finances is not my thing. I'm sorry. I really can't help you. But I really want to impress on you tonight at 530 to be here. That's going to be an important first step in your Christian walk with generosity. you have a decision to make maybe you just need prayer feel free to come up during this song talk to uh, talk to Arthur talk to Tom